take part in communion now as part of our worship. Because that is what it is. It's, it is worship unto God. It is thanking God for what He has done for each one of us. And it's a, it's a moment of reflection. It's a moment to look back, to see the present, and to know you've got a future because of what Jesus did for each one of us. You see, we're singing about a reckless kind of love, but we're singing about a love that pursues, a love that overwhelms, a love that is perfect, and a love that is perfectly personal. It was for you as an individual, a global act with an individual impact, where it took hold of one person and changed them. It took hold of another person and change them and has taken hold of you as a person and we pray that as we partake in communion you let it change you we're going to sing this through until everyone serves and then we will partake together lord as we come before you tonight and we come before you lord knowing what you have done for us as an individual we come with gratitude but we come with an expectation as well lord to know you all the more, to experience more of your love, to let your love in and let your love flow through us. Let your love change us and mold us and shape us. And we know, Lord, that is what you did for us on the cross. It wasn't only about our sins, Lord. It was about our future, the glorious future with you. But until then, Lord, we can spend a glorious future becoming like you. So as we eat the bread tonight and we drink of the wine, let it be a moment, Lord, where we realize who we are and more so, Lord, who we should be. And we give ourselves to you because you've pursued us, Lord, and tonight we let you catch us so we can become, Lord, who destined us to be. Together we eat the bread and together we drink of the wine. Together, Lord, we say, we are grateful. We ask, Lord, that less of us and more of you, Lord. Less of us and more of you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated and welcome to the, to the new guys and those we haven't seen in a while. My name is still Paul and I'm happy you're here tonight. I really am. Um, I know sometimes I was actually speaking to Graham about this yesterday afternoon. Huh? In church, you sort of, you assume everyone knows who you are, but not everyone always does. They know you're the pastor, or they know you're the announcer, or they know you Mark is, or whatever, but often we miss names. So I'm Paul, and I'm happy to be here, but I'm happier that you are here tonight. Awesome, it's good to see you. Um, we're busy with a series... Uh, called Love the Greatest Hit, hence the t-shirts. Um, they're pretty cool. And if you want a shirt like this, you can put your name down at the info desk. I think they are 100 rand. Um, we, we've got to place the order tomorrow. So um, please, if you want one, get one there. Or put your name down and you will get one soon enough. But what the message is about is us understanding God's love and God's love. And now we're having that love 
form us and equip us and motivate us to go. Every church has got things that they do that sort of scare people off. And every Christian, much Christianese in them and scare people off out there. We don't, we don't actually know how to be loving to others. We don't know what is expected of us. And Paul, in his letters to the churches, often ad addressed this topic of, you're being a little bit weird. You're doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing. You're not making people feel loved, and you're not making people feel comfortable. And if we as a church can't get people to feel comfortable in here, how are we going to love them out there? We need this as a training ground for life out there. And this is where this message is going. So Paul is battling with all these churches and is writing letters, and to some he had to write more than one letter. And all of his letters basically boil down the following. Stop. In the name of love, stop what you're doing. Okay? Now you all know the Supremes. Okay? They were a girl band who sang a song, Stop in the Name of Love. We don't have a girl band, but we do have Margarita here tonight. Well, hey, Marcus. <laughs> uh, this morning we had Yolandi sing it, and she was actually going, Stop in the name. <laughs> like they did back in the day. It was pretty cool. So, before we get into tonight's message, we as a church have been gearing you up to get activated, to become people of influence. And I think the correct term or a nice phrase we should adopt is that every member is a minister. And to be a minister as a member of the church, you've been given 168 hours in every single week. You hear about one. How does your other 167 hours look? Are you, as a member, or an attendee, or a friend of this church, a minister out there? And that's not always easy, but it is possible. You don't need to change everyone, but you need to touch at least one every single day. If we all touch one, and they again touch another, we'll have a big impact. We are about making an impact. As a believer, like I started off with as a church, we have got some unattractive things that we maybe do. One of them is we don't make people feel loved. Another is we don't always make people feel welcome. And when it comes to the ministry, when it comes to training people up or loving people, let me rather use that term. When it comes to loving people, you see, all of you look at all of us who are basically up here on stage, and you expect us to do all the loving out there. But the Word of God is clear that you the church, and you've got to be the church out there. If people are, if, you, if we as believers have created a perception in people that we are funny church or we are funny belief, it is because we have gone out there and portrayed that to the world at large. We have given them an impression that isn't true because we don't know what is expected of us and we don't know how to live out what is within us. And what is within you? The living God. 
And if you've got the living God in you, what should you be sharing out there? The living God. When they have to make movies like God's Not Dead to prove the fact that it's not because we as the church haven't done our job out there. We haven't been a people of influence. Every coin has got two sides. And every person has got two choices. You choose what you're going to show. You choose, are you showing the face of Christ or are you showing the way of the world? Every interaction you have with people out there, every facet of your life, you how am I, who am I going to show going to respond? And we need to respond in love because we are loved. We need to choose the road of peace, of hope, of faith, and of love. As a believer, we falsely believe we got that choice. We you are to show God's love to God's people because God loved you and has equipped you to love others. You don't actually have a choice. In 1982, anyone know U2 here? Bono and the boys? They sang a song, Pride in the Name of Love. And the, the words went like this, one man came in the name of love, one man came, um, um, I'm, I'm going to lie to you, let me check. Sorry, ad break, I got the words here somewhere. One man came in the name of love, one man come and go. One man come, he to justify, one man to overthrow. In the name of more, in the name of love. And it goes on. It says, one man washed up on an empty beach. One man betrayed with a kiss. And so the song goes on. And it's basically in the name of love. That's what the song is all about. But this song was based on the life of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And their approach to the civil rights movement at that stage. One thought will change society, the way men, of, men and women of, of um, color are perceived. You'll gain equality for them by violence. And the other one says, no, the only way we're going to do it was peace. And the peaceful way actually won out at the end of the day. You see, the song is about choices. Are you going to show peace? Or are you going to show aggression? Are you going to show love or are you going to show hatred? Are you going to show patience or are you going to show irritation with the system? How are you going to approach things? And it was all came down to this one phrase in that song. One man betrayed by a kiss. Jesus chose love despite betrayal. He faced that same choice. And in the name of love, he chose you, and he chose the road of peace and hope and abundance for us as individuals. And we've got to take that choice, and we've got to live the fullness thereof on the streets of George and beyond, in every city, in every town. You've got a choice. How much love are you going to show? But love you must show. And it's not always easy. I had a very brief conversation with Sheldon Nanan. He said, coming here this evening, he was saw a person, and he's got to make a choice. How do I respond to that person in love? We're not saying, 
take people into your home. We're not saying give away all your possessions and take care of them. We're saying they need a touch from the Most High God. And you've got to know how to touch them in that moment. That means you've got to be connected with God. And you're not, this is the, this is the key. You're not called to touch every person out there. You're called to touch the ones God places on your path. You see, as, as, as a Christian or as a believer, you get filled with the fire of God and you sort of take a, a machine gun approach and you hope you hit one where God has given you a telescope for you to target one at a time and the one that he puts on him. You're not going to shoot them. You're going to love them. And you just got to decide by means of the Spirit of God, and we're going to look at some of the gifts of the Spirit next week, which one is it that God wants me to love and how, and how am I to love them? Because loving isn't a choice. It's not a condition of the heart. It's not an emotion. It's an attribute God has given you to be able to love. You just got to exercise it. Choose love every single time. As difficult as what it is sometimes. We, we, we got these two extremes that we always think we've got a choice between. Okay? Um, like, am I going to hate someone or am I going to love someone? Am I going to be happy or am I going to be sad? Am I going to be peaceful or am I going to be destructive? Am I going to be patient or am I going to be impatient? Am I going to be kind to this person or am I going to be rude to this person? Am I going to be good or am I going to be bad? Am I going to be faithful or am I going to be faithless? Am I going to have self-control or am I going to let my emotions control me? We've always faced this dilemma. But is everyone here a believer? Everyone has been touched by God, right? If you haven't been, hallelujah, you come to the right place tonight. You are going to be touched. But if we all believers, if we're all touched by God, we've all got the Spirit of God in us. So we don't have that choice because what I've been describing is the fruits of the Spirit. They are hanging on your tree. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We've got this, people. And if we want to change the world, we've got to let loose what is within us. And that's there. Sometimes it might not seem like it, especially when it comes to patience and self-control. But all the stuff is in there. It's us allowing it out, deciding who controls us. Is it God or is it the world? And I know who I want to control me. I want to be controlled by God. So I need to be letting out the things of God. And there it is. You see, Jesus changed history. Jesus changed millions and millions of people and doing it today because against such things there is no law and he never broke the law. He implemented that so that you could be sitting here today because you were touched by love in your journey 
someone made the time to love on you just a little bit. You see, you can come to a church because, oh, they got a great band and they got this and they got that. What they need is this. The fruit of the Spirit combined with the gift of the Spirit so that the Holy Spirit changes hearts and changes minds and brings people into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The church needs this, and you the church. You need this, and you've got this, so you need to be sharing this with the world. It was a simple philosophy. Just do and let out what God asked me to do and what God has put in me. Just let it out. That's all. It isn't complicated. It's not technical. Any one of us can understand. But we battle to do this. Because we've got this, and I don't know where it comes from, we've got this mindset, we want people to be of a certain standard first before we can love them or be patient with them or be kind to them or whatever. And Jesus said, no, wait, that doesn't work like that. Jesus said, I'm come so people feel they belong. Okay? They've got worth. They are of value. Once they know they belong, they'll believe. And when they believe, they will behave. And the church has turned this around. Us, we've turned this around. We want people to behave first like we think is the standard. And as long as they behave, if they believe or not, that's okay. And if they feel like they belong, that's cool. But if they don't, that's tough. They must get over it. Where our job as a church is to merely make people feel like they belong, they are worthwhile, that they have value, that they are loved, that they are appreciated. And then Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gets them to believe and then to behave. And they might not ever behave like you. But as long as they're in line with His will, who are we to judge? We set a standard for people we can't even achieve. And I've been guilty of this. I'll be honest with you. I set a standard. I thought, you know, you, you're a believer and you're a cool Christian and you're a good guy or girl. If you can achieve a standard, I couldn't even keep. And this is the problem throughout the church. And it's an age-old problem. 2,000 years ago, the Pharisees were battling with exactly the same thing the modern church is battling with. We've got a standard. We can't achieve, but we expect everyone else to. In Matthew 23, Jesus rips into the Pharisees. He gives them a good go. He tells them exactly what is wrong with them and what they are doing, how hypocritical and judgmental they are, how unloving they are. These learned men, these teachers of the law, the supposed to love God the most, he rips into them and says, you must devote. You've got it completely wrong. Go and read what it says in Matthew 23. You will be shocked. Yet, the Pharisees were well-meaning. They were protecting. They were embracing 
principles of God. They studied the law and they knew it as well as anyone. But they had a standard and the standard was their downfall as well as everyone else. They were full of self-justification and self-importance. Because you see, that's what we do. We as believers think we are better than other people because our standard is the fact that we've been saved and others haven't, so they're not good enough. And that's where we begin, and we just build it higher from there. The Pharisees did the same. Yet there's evidence that some of them were sincerely seeking God. Some of them became followers of Jesus. Nicodemus is one. Joseph, who arranged the burial of Jesus, is another one. They also ended up following him. Paul, the one we spoke about at the beginning, he was like a really hectic dude, but a Pharisee. And it's because of him that we got most of the New Testament. Because he loved God and he followed Jesus. But it was them for their pride, their lack of compassion and their hypocrisy. In other words, they said one thing but lived a different way. And that is what we often do. The irony, of course, is this. The people who were said to love God the most ultimately killed him, the Pharisees. And this isn't tonight about Jews and Gentiles. It's about believers like you and the name of God actually by our actions deny who he is. Because we don't show love. Whenever God shows up in a situation, we kill him. Because we don't show the world who he really is. And we don't reflect the heart of Christ in that situation. And I'm praying with you, please, stop in the name of love. Stop with the standards. Let's just love people. Let's just get them to feel they are valuable. Let's just love them and get them to feel they belong, they're important. And then we've done our job. The believing is up to God. Let's just, in fact, when you walk past someone or you walk into someone, why don't you do the antithesis or however that's pronounced, the opposite of stop in the name of love, doing what's wrong, and you stop in the name of love because you want to do what is right for those people. Wouldn't that be something? If we sing in the song, stop in the name of love, and you, I said, my brother, how are you? Can I buy you a coffee on this cold day? And it's not big things. You don't have to punch people with the Bible. You don't have to recite scripture. You've got to touch their hearts because the heart is the way to the head. And the head is where all their confusion is. You just love on them. And they won't understand what's happening. But in their misunderstanding of the situation, their heart opens to Jesus because they see him, they feel him, and they experience him through you. And all we need to do is give a hug, say a hello, share a scripture if you have to, if it's laid on your heart, pay for someone's food, go out of your way, visit someone in hospital. Just do what God lays on your heart. And love his people in the name of love. And let's make time for people. 
Are you glad you can? Yes, I hope those people are going to listen to this message are glad they're listening. We need to rather than ask people to live up to a standard, just live by the example of Jesus Christ and get people to feel they belong. We should make this church and every church a home for the spiritually homeless. Place where people feel they can belong. Your home, your house should be like that. Your heart should be like that. Where the spiritually homeless can find a residence with you. Just love them and be the church. For the love to hit the streets, it's first got to hit you. And this is our problem. This is where we find the obstacle. Because it's easy to talk things. But you've got to be experiencing it so you can go and do it. You see, many of us, and that's why we focused so intently on it in week one, you have to know the love of Christ to go and be the love of Christ. So, how do you know you've got the love of Christ? Well, the love of Christ changes us. Is anyone here different to what they were a year ago, a month ago, a week ago? Okay, is anyone still the same? No one. So love's working. If you got better, not worse. Okay. If you got better, okay, good. So love is working. You see, you've got to know that love and have that love work in you so you can share that love. You can't give what you don't have. You can't get two people to a place you haven't been yourself. You've got to be able to understand that you are loved and you, then you've got to go and be the love. So if you've changed and you all said you have, then I can confidently say God has done a good work in you, hasn't he? Okay. God has done a good work in you. So let's go and we read Philippians 1 verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So guess what? He's only just starting with you. It's only the beginning. There's more change to come. And I better calm down because some people in here don't like pastors who get excited. No, I can't. They won't come back next week. God is busy with you. But you need to allow Him to do what only He can do. Change you, mold you, grow you, mature you, and equip you so you can go and you can be His love. He is busy with you and is going to carry on as long as you allow him to. Until the day of completion, until he returns, we are continually growing in God's love and being matured through that love. It's not a once-off. It doesn't mean because you've got gray hair or no hair that you've arrived. We all, irrespective of age, busy, we are part of God's workmanship. He's busy with our lives. 
Let's allow God to do what only God can do and to use us according to His good purposes to love the world. And He uses, he uses simply love. He uses gifts, he uses attributes, he uses economics, he uses attendance in church, he uses anything. We just got to be available and say, Lord, I'm here to glorify your name. I'm here so people will see who you are in my life by the way I respond to them, by the way I love them. We can't be doing church like we've always been doing church. It's time for change. <coughs> Love it. Can I ask you, give me some water, please? Um, where was I going now? Oh, yes, yeah, there we go. No. The problem with this process is, is it isn't always easy. It sometimes costs a bit of sacrifice. It sometimes is painful. It's sometimes a little bit uncomfortable because God has got to remove from our lives things that are hindering us or holding us back. And a lot of us don't like the process of cleansing, the process of sanctification, because it can hurt, it can be painful, but it's got to take place. You see, you probably find yourself caught up in that Elvis song, Love Me Tender. Love me tender, love me true. He truly loves you, but he's not always going to tenderly deal with you, because sometimes you are stubborn. Sometimes you holding on to things. Sometimes things need to be ripped out of you so you can become a better version of his son. I told the people this morning, Sundays in my house when I was, my mom's house, thank you my darling, when I was growing up, was, um, it was painful for a young man. Um, my ambition on a Sunday, first of all, wasn't to be home. Okay? I wanted to be in the streets with my friends. And secondly, I didn't want to be listening to Frank Sinatra and Neil Diamond. Okay? And that would blare through a house while they, my mom and my stepfather of that time, were reading the Sunday Times or doing whatever. I was exposed to this noise and it drove me nuts. And there was one song in particular my mother was mad about, a Neil Diamond song. It says, love on the rocks, that ain't no surprise. Huh? And now Debbie's cringing in her seat because that's her favorite song. Love on the rocks. <laughs> I'm not going to sing the rest of it. We'll empty the church. But you know what? Uh, our love, unfortunately, in most cases, is on the rocks. And it is on the rocks because we've let it go stale in us. We, we've lost that freshness of our first encounter. And that is why we've got to go back to our first love, to that moment we encountered Jesus. And we've got to take that and we've got to carry that forward and have that grow in us. Because the more time you spend in the presence of God, the more you understand how much you are loved by God. I explained to the people this morning that I was meeting some people on Thursday night and no one showed up, which was probably one of the biggest blessings I've had because I then had time to go and join the prayer meeting. 
And the prayer meeting is usually an hour, max an hour. And like we were in there and the Spirit of God fell and His love rose up amongst us. And it was one of the most endearing times I've had in a long time where we just, we just basked in the presence of God and had His Word flow over us and into us. And it was in that creating the time for God that we got to experience the fullness of God. And we as believers, we need to make more time for God. We need to make time to pray. We need to make time to spend in the Word of God. We need to make time to wait on God. We don't wait anymore. We are... We, Remember that, that one about patience? We've got more patience with worldly things than we do with heavenly things. We don't wait on God anymore. And if you want to experience God, wait on Him. When He hits you, you experience the fullness of that love. And that love consumes you. And that love motor, motivates you and it drives you to go and be loved. And it's a good idea to keep your love fresh. First of all, well, not first of all. Most importantly, keep your love fresh for God by spending time with Him. But keep your love fresh for your husband. Keep your love fresh for your wife. Keep your love fresh for all God's people by being God or allowing God to touch you in such a way that you can touch others. We've got to keep that love fresh. Otherwise, the love does hit the rocks and it does become stale. In Philippians 2, verse 12 to 13, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but m so now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purposes. And I was always a bit confused. What does work out my salvation mean in fear and trembling. I'm going in the love of God because I've been in the presence of God and I'm loving God's people because Jesus isn't on earth but the Holy Spirit is in me and I'm to love people through the Holy Spirit that resides within me because I've got appreciation for God, so I've got a love for His people. And the more I work out my salvation, I'm not becoming more saved, I'm becoming more filled with God, because as I give, He fills me, so I'm continually able to give. I'm working out my salvation. The fruit of my salvation is my labor in the Lord to love others. That's what working out your salvation is. Well, that's what it is to me. Me giving what I've got to others because God gave to me first. And I want to honor Him by giving away what I've received, knowing I'll never ever run empty because He'll give me more. And He's going to grow me and He's going to mature me because He loves me. And I'll just continue to give to other people. We can't have half-baked Christians anymore. We can't have people saying one thing with their mouth and showing another thing by their actions. You see, if you only attend church every once in a while, or if you don't spend in time in the Word every day, if you only have 
intimate prayer with God, when you're really down in the dumps, when everything has fallen away underneath you, if that is you, you're half-baked. You're waiting for the, the, the wilds of life to hit you before you come to the one who gave you life. And we can't have that sort of believer. We need deeper people. We need people who are enveloped with his love, who understand who he is. We can't have flickers of intimacy anymore. We've got to live in the intimacy and allow the intimacy with God to motivate us to go and love God's people. So I'm asking you, stop in the name of love being lukewarm. You need to be on fire for the Messiah. You're crippling God's love but not sharing His love and not allowing His love to change you. You're not only denying others but you're denying yourself. I said this morning, God will love you tenderly. He will. Because it's a time for the Lamb of God. But I believe we're in the time of the Lion of Judah where we've got to accelerate God's love in a lost and a broken world. We've got to really get this love flowing because people are getting further and further from God. The world is becoming a darker place because the church isn't bringing light to the world. It's time we as the church wake up and we go and we be the church. I said this morning, I sense there's an urgency in the atmosphere. Things are stirring people and there's an expectation on believers to respond to the call of God to go and love his people. I don't know about you, as Marcus comes back to the stage. But I know I need to be mission ready. And I feel you need to be mission ready. I need to be a person of influence and you need to be influential. I need to be motivated, but you need to be activated. You see, you've all been looking in the wrong place for the work of God to be done. We need to look in the mirror and no longer at the pulpit. It's you God is calling. Every member a minister. And that's how we will change the world. So we stop because of love. And we give love. So that the love that changed us is the same love that will go and change other people. But be discerning. Hear God, obey God, and be a blessing because of your obedience. Let's close our eyes. Lord, thank you so much. Once again, Lord, you've just come in and stirred the embers, Lord, of the fire that was once within most of us. And I really feel tonight, Lord, you fanned the flames again. And I pray that those flames don't go out. We don't let them die again.
but we give them the fuel they need to burn brighter. We give you our hearts, our minds, and we give you our time, Lord God. And we say, Yaza, hands, Lord. Use these hands to touch your people. Lord, encourage us to be lovers of you and to love your people because we were first loved so we could go and be loved. And we call on you tonight, Lord, to guide us, to equip us, and to grow us, Lord God, so we can fulfill your mission that you have for each one of us, Lord. We can touch people who need a touch from you. And in that, Lord, as we give, we can receive from you. And in our obedience, we will be blessed, Lord God. To you, Lord, be all the glory for now and forever, Lord. Amen.